Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Amy Tankard. Amy is the Chief Executive Officer at Passive House Institute New Zealand. As you can hear from that title, she's based in New Zealand. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thanks, Jono. Great to be here. Yes, I've been looking forward to having you on. As we were saying before we started recording, we, we both had to reschedule and and so it's it's finally come around that we could do this and I've, I've really it. been looking forward to it. Yeah, we made it. Uh, so first of all, tell us about Passive House Institute and your role as CEO um, in New Zealand. Tell us about what you do and what the organisation does. Okay, so Passive House, it comes from the German Passive House, where house means building, and it's a method of design and build which results in highly energy efficient and healthy buildings. And that, of course, has fantastic uh, outcomes for the occupants in terms of health and well-being, um, and then also in terms of climate change mitigation, because passive houses use a very small amount of energy for either heating or cooling. And so, um, you know, that that's obviously... If, if all the houses and buildings in New Zealand were built to passive house standard, we'd we'd meet our climate change goals. Yeah, incredible. So that's um, what passive house is. Mm-hmm. And um, Passive House Institute New Zealand is a, um, it's a small charitable trust and we advocate for passive house um, in New Zealand in terms of we, we're also a, you know, um, we're, we're the, the networking organisation for the community of Passive House people in New Zealand. We also have our academy, which is a project of FINS, Passive House Institute New Zealand. And um, so so that runs all the training for architects, designers, and trades people to become um, Passive House certified. So you, you really, you do need to have done that certification to be able to create a Passive House building. Yeah, incredible, a great organization. And uh, thank you for unpacking a little bit of um, what you do at the organization. We'll hear a bit more through the podcast about your leadership experience and I'm excited to hear some Absolutely. of the stories. Let's let's jump in and start at the beginning in terms of your childhood and growing up. I'm interested to know if there are any moments or even themes from your childhood that come to mind because they really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today. Gosh, I didn't know we were going to be talking about my childhood. All right. Um, well, I grew up in Australia, actually. I was born in Australia and then moved to New Zealand when um, I was 11. Um, did my high school and uni in uh, New Zealand and I studied um, psychology and management. I chose what I was interested in rather than having any particular thought about a career. And then I sort of worked backwards and thought, what can I do with psychology and management? And I, I stuck struck on HR. So I've got a long history um, career in human resources. Um, when I finished uni, not long after that, I went across to the UK. And, you know, the old story, I went for my OE for a year or two and ended up staying there 13 years and brought back a English husband. 
um, back to New Zealand and we've been back here six years to, um, you know, well, we've now got two young young kids and we're building a house, as I mentioned to you before, which mm. is going to be a certified passive house. So we're excited about that. Um, I, I realise I didn't really talk too much about my childhood, but um, I mean, there's nothing in particular that strikes me. Hmm. I haven't really given it much thought, really. <laughs> That's all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that was going to be one of the questions. <laughs> yeah, I caught you off guard there. Uh, that's that's quite mm. all right. I I love. Um, uh, so uh, across your life now, you've spent. Um, so how much of your life have you spent in Australia versus the UK versus New Zealand now? All right. Yep. So it was eleven years in Australia, and I guess it was twelve years in England and a year in Ireland. And then I haven't done the sums for for New Zealand. It's probably in total. It's going to be no. So now now you're going to be able to work out my age. Oh yes. Um, no. What have I done? Around about <laughs> I don't know. Two years. Or so years <laughs> in total. We'll in say total. two. <laughs> yeah. We'll say two years so that people who do the yeah, calculations. So New Zealand. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I call New Zealand home. Mm. Um, I feel like it was where I spent a lot of my formative years and obviously, you know, school and high school and uni. Um, yeah. And when I went off to the UK, I, I didn't even think about it. I just said, said to people, oh, I'm from New Zealand. And then an Aussie friend of mine one day said, she found out that I was actually born in Australia. She said, you're a kangaroo in a kiwi suit. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. A kangaroo and a kiwi suit. I like that. I'm interested as a, yeah. you know, a global citizen spending so much time in, in three different countries, um, even though mm. obviously there were different stages of your of your life. W- what are the biggest differences you found living in those three, I guess in some ways that can be similar cultures, the UK, Australia, New yeah. Zealand. What are the biggest differences you found living in those three countries? Yeah. Well, um, well actually one of the differences is, kind of related to what I'm doing now, which is the the housing and the standard of building. Um, As I mentioned, my husband is English. And when we came and moved um, to New Zealand, we were looking to buy a house. And um, he was a little bit horrified with the, um, yeah, just with with the the buildings and how cold they were. And even sort of new builds had mould and damp. And and so that's really what led, led us to, to passive house um and, and and that's actually quite common in australia and new zealand um you find that the people in the passive house community are um, either european or they've um spent significant amount of t- amounts of time um in either in europe or, or potentially even places like canada um mm. so i suppose that's one of the um one of the differences um Whereas I suppose, yeah, the expectations in in the UK are are so different where I lived in a um, sort of top floor Victorian conversion flat and I had the benefit of the people below me um, heating and it was brick and it was warm. (laughs) Um, And then I remember um, actually coming on a on a short trip to New Zealand a few years ago and um, and I was, you know, at my mum's batch, which is Kiwi for holiday house and um which was basically a tin shed and feeling absolutely freezing um and that was and that was well before i'd ever heard of passive house um yeah. so that was one of the differences um yeah i, I suppose at the time um i don't uh, i don't know there's a, there's a few myths i suppose when i 
when I went over to the UK, yeah. um, I was, um, well, people told me that Kiwis were seen as hardworking. Um, but then I also got the sense that sometimes at the time my Kiwi accent was fairly strong and um, that I wasn't taken as seriously having a Kiwi accent. And I don't know if that's changed. And now I probably sound more, I don't know, a bit of a hodgepodge, but maybe, maybe more UK, but um, I don't know, the longer I'm in New Zealand, I'm guessing, I guess my accent is probably changing again. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you for unpacking that. Interesting. And and it's so it's so cool to hear the perspective, particularly in light of what you're so passionate about uh, with Passive House, mm. um, about the differences in, in the climate and housing. Um, so interested to know, Amy, as you think back to growing up and then your teenage years and, um, you know, in your 20s, um, do you remember one of the first leadership opportunities you had? It could have been in a in some sort of team event. It could have been when you were really little. It might have been when you were older in a work context, but you were leading a mm. group of people or you were owning a project and really felt the weight of having to, um, you know, lead that project. What, what comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I suppose one of the first leadership roles you could say was um i worked at mcdonald's and i was a shift manager and um actually that is what um changed my degree i was going to do psychology and marketing and i and i changed to psychology and management um so i was interested in you know the the kind of management and employee relations and um and so forth and um uh, you know, that was a, a time in my life that I really enjoyed because it was just a bunch of um, school students and uni students. And, um, you know, um, there's a real sense of camaraderie and um, pulling together mm. as a team. Um, and, like, you know, there's obviously that very immediate, um, immediate and tangible need. And, and, you know, you knew exactly what you needed to do. Well, yeah. Um, it, which was which was to serve the customer. Yeah. <laughs> And you get immediate feedback as well. If people aren't happy, they, uh, you know, some you people certainly will, would, will definitely yeah. tell you. Yeah. I, I think that um, I was chatting mm. with someone recently on the podcast and they said how they think everyone should have to do some type of retail, um, you know, and hospitality is just one yeah. one kind because you learn. Yeah. There are just things that you learn there. And I think um, McDonald's has some great training programs. What were the biggest lessons you learned from your time there that have really stuck with mm. you today? Yeah, I think um, one of the things is it's so fantastic having um, those standard operating procedures because, you know, if you've got something written down and you know exactly what you should be doing, you can kind of focus on on other things, you know, and you, you, you and I know McDonald's is known for this, but you, you get that sort of same quality every time. And I think you can apply that to your your daily life. So if you've got your routines down pat you kind of know what you're going to wear you kind of know what time you have to get up and have breakfast and so forth um you know you don't need to use your mind your brain space for that you can just focus on the bigger picture and on and, and on other stuff yeah they are they are known for that and i think it's something it's actually funny you mentioned that because one of the challenges i've experienced is how do you take great systems like like mcdonald's and take those same sort of mm. ideas in small businesses. Is there anything that you've found yeah. 
um, leading in a in a smaller context when it comes to the global footprint. You know, mm-hmm. um, because even though it might be franchised, the systems yeah. are, are developed on such big scale. How how have you mm-hmm. found um, like what's worked for you to create systems in a smaller context uh, since then? Yeah, so I mean, again, I'll go back to passive house because that's that's what I know, and that's obviously what's most immediate in my life. Um, is that you know, New Zealand overall building um, market is a very small market, and then passive house is a you know relatively small small chunk of that market. And so I think if you um, if you can make things easy and streamlined. And that's what's going to help you to to scale things because, um, yeah, I, I suppose. And again, this applies to the I suppose the wide the wider building industry in New Zealand, where you know over in other countries it makes sense to just mass produce things like good windows or um, things like that. But whereas in New Zealand, everything is kind of done to um, done to spec, and so you know when you're thinking about um, how you might streamline and scale things um how can you standardize and make access make things accessible and um i suppose make yeah accessible and easy to understand yeah Mm. and 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 um and 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 i'm not just talking about passive house necessarily but how do you um make it so that people want to know more and um and that you know sharing that knowledge sharing that knowledge and making sure um that it, you know what you're doing is not just seen it as as niche or not for me or not for mm. my type of person yeah 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 absolutely and um thank I, I think that's a really interesting way to to approach it uh, what about um in in more recent years, what have been some aha moments? Are there any any moments that, as a leader, come to mind where you worked with someone through a crisis, and, or you made a mistake and it really stuck with you because you learnt a lesson, um, or someone gave you some advice mm. and, and it's proven to be just especially true? Any any sort of aha yeah. moments in your leadership journey that pop into your head? Yeah. Um. Well, I recently was introduced to the SCARF model, um, which really resonated with me and in, for myself and also thinking about leading others. Um, and the SCARF model really is that in order to, to thrive or for somebody to thrive in what they're doing, you know, they need to have their, their status recognised and acknowledged. That's the S. They need to have certainty. They need to have autonomy relatedness which means what they're doing is actually related to the goals of the organization or relate you know they can relate back what they're doing and fairness being being treated fairly um and i thought that was just a really good model to to think about um and you know if i reflect back on um roles where i've felt uncertain or i've felt where um, my contribution hasn't been valued um yeah i really i really think that's a good model to apply and um and when thinking about making the most of yourself and making the most of other people. Hmm. Is there one of those letters that you have, that you found particularly like it was an epiphany when you heard that part of the framework? Mm. 
I think probably having um, status recognized where, um, you know, um, I think particularly when you're new to a role or, um, or new, uh, you know, trying to establish yourself um, and a manager or someone higher up in the organization, rather than kind of listening to what you've got to say and supporting and guiding you actually just kind of tramples all over what you're trying to achieve. So that could, I think that would probably be um, the one that stood out to me, but they're, I think they're all pretty valid. Yeah, I like that I, as well. I think that's um, including status. Mm -hmm. I, I love the idea of including fairness in there because uh, one of my favorite books, Blue mm -hmm. Ocean Strategy, they talk about implementing change and the key is fairness. You know, when people feel like something's unfair, it doesn't matter whether it's a good thing or, or if you're, you know, even if it's something that's actually not great for people, if they feel like it's unfair, you will always mm. struggle and, and you'll always lose them. And that wording I found really helpful because sometimes no matter what's going on, I, you know, you can ask lots of different questions about it and try to put yourself in other people's shoes. But a really great question um, that simplifies some of that is to say, well, how how can we make this fair from their perspective? What can we do? How can we facilitate this so that this process is fair to them? And, um, and mm -hmm. if you think like that, it really changes things because it, you know, it might mean getting people involved earlier in a process because often one of the things that feels unfair is I didn't have a chance to give any feedback. And then what often happens is you give them yeah. the chance and they don't actually give any feedback. So it's not necessarily that they I wanted. I think even worse. Yeah. Mm. I was going to say, I think even worse than that is where you do give people the opportunity to give feedback or input and then you do nothing with that. Yes. That's even yeah. worse, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So it's and, and that feels unfair mm. because I had my I, I engaged, you promised, you know, you made some sort of promise that you're going to consider what I've said. And from my perspective, you haven't done anything with it. And um, they, they talk about the three E's of fairness, which, uh, which is one of my favorite leadership principles, I, I reckon it's um, engaged. So that's what you're, you know, we just said there, it's asking people for their feedback. But you just made the point that if you don't then come back to them and close the loop you can make it worse and that's why they talk about the second e so you got engage and then you have explain which sounds really funny but mm. i think a lot of us as leaders we get people's feedback we we have to make a hard decision we know it's not going to please everyone and so sometimes we just want to put our heads in the sand and and just just get on with it make a decision and oh you know i don't want to make a big deal of it and and it makes things worse whereas if we had the courage to in a public setting or one-on-one, -on -one, whatever it looks like, to say, hey, um, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. We heard this this, and this piece of feedback and we've gone with this one, but we can't take that one on board because of this. And, this. and you just actually explain your process um, and why you've made decisions. It's not rocket science, but I think yeah. when you do, when you just do that explanation piece um, and after engaging, then um it yeah whereas i feel like for me in the past i felt like i had to tell people what they wanted to hear almost and it's like no it's not that you're telling them what they wanted what they want to hear you need to you need to tell them the truth you need to explain to them what's happening and make sure that first yeah. you've engaged them and if you do those two things there's a lot of things that you can do that are really hard decisions and people will say you know what well this this really sucks but i at least i feel like the process has been fair 
Yeah, that's right. And I, I, I was trying to remember the exact wording. Um, it's an organization I worked for previously that was going through a lot of change and a lot of uncertainty. And I, I think the words that the um, exec team used was relentless transparency. Like literally mm. they just shared what, you know, whatever they could with, in, in all these ways to the point where people were absolutely just sick of hearing it. But at least they felt that they'd got, um, they were being treated fairly in the, in the circumstances. I think that worked a lot through COVID. I, I feel like every time I talk to a company where they had a success story of how they navigated COVID uh, in terms of how they led through it, something that's come up mm-hmm. basically every time is people communicated daily. And I, I just found it really interesting that in across different sectors, some global, some small businesses, but that idea, I like that idea of relentless transparency because it was like every day mm-hmm. they would give an update. And sometimes the update would be, um, it would be as, as, you know, saying, we don't know, we haven't had any updates, so we don't know anything new. Everything we know is still what we said yesterday. Um, but as soon as we do know, we'll be letting, you know, you know, particularly in sectors where they were waiting on Mm. government. And, and so that's so funny because you're literally updating them that there hasn't been an update. And yet what happened is people, Mm. people felt that psychological safety of like, I'm not just going to get, no matter what happens, and, you know, there were lots of difficult decisions that had to be made, but at least people knew, felt like they knew what was happening right now. Um, there was always some part of it that was yeah. out of control. And so that idea of relentless transparency, I think, often includes, like you said, it's about that communication piece to the point, and a good filter is you want to hear people say, okay, enough, we're so sick of it. That's probably that's probably a good yeah. stage to yeah. get to where you realise we're doing it well. Yeah, agree. Totally. So let's let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few questions for you. The first one I want to ask you, Amy, is uh, what is a book, or there might be a couple, that you either have gifted to other people or they're books mm. that you recommend all the time to people? Yeah, it's actually not really to do with leadership, but the book that I love and um, got for my own daughter and gift to people is called Blueberry Girl by Neil Gaiman. And it's a poem that he wrote for his gold daughter. And it's basically a wish for a baby to grow into a young woman who is brave, adventurous and lucky. And it's just, um, it's really beautiful. Um, I sort of, I, I actually tear up when I read it to my daughter. Yeah, it's beautiful. What's it called again? Blueberry Girl. Blueberry Girl. Lovely. I haven't had that recommendation and I love it. That's that's a beautiful um, recommendation. Thank you. Uh, I'm interested to know if you had to pick one habit, there was a leader sitting across from you, a young leader, and they said, Amy, tell me what's like, mm-hmm. what's one life habit that I should consider trying to, you know, uh, get into the habit of in my life because it's, it's great for life, great for leadership. Is there one habit that you think you'd recommend? Um, I think it would be that being kind to yourself is just as valid and important as being kind to others. And I think sometimes women are expected to be kind to others. Um, But, um, yeah, as I say, uh, I, I think it's important to be kind to yourself just as much. Yeah, 
so good. Be kind to yourself. Love that. Uh, what about uh, morning routine? I love asking leaders this. There's the 5 a.m. club. There's books written <laughs> about it. When I when I when I go to write blogs, this comes up all the time as like one of the top. So people are really interested, and I'm the same. It's like, are mm. people out there who are leading on the front line in leadership in all parts of the world? Are they waking up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., or are they sleep? Are they you know sleeping? Are they getting up at 7 or 8 a.m.? What routine are people actually using in, in the real world? Do you have a preference? Mm -hmm. Are you a 5 a.m. club member or are you a, no, that doesn't matter. I, I prefer to to um, to work late or, or change it up. Yeah. Well, I'm an unwilling member of the 5 a.m. club. Um, since I had my kids, I, I do tend to wake up early earlier than I'd like. Um, and so often if I, if I do wake up and I'm feeling wide awake, I will... Um, I'll get up, I'll do some, I'll do some work. I might get a couple of hours work in before the children wake up. Um, and then that leaves the rest of my day looking free. So I like to try and get to um, Pilates if I can. It's about sort of prioritizing, you know, physical and, and mental well-being. Um, my husband also works from home. And so we try to coordinate lunch. It, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't happen as often as we would like, but um, yeah, so I, I suppose I try to go with my body clock and, and make the use of that um, rather than maybe just lying in bed and, and doom scrolling. And then I do tend <laughs> to get, um, <laughs> do tend to get tired in the evening. So I've definitely always been someone that has a bit more focus and, um, and drive in the mornings anyway. Um, and then, you know, in the evenings, I'm ready to switch off. Yeah. I love that. I love that quote. I am an unwilling member of the five the 5 a.m club <laughs> like against my will i end yeah. up getting up early which i yeah. think is is uh i love that perspective so good we um my my wife liz and i we have an eight week old little boy so i i too oh, um nice. am an unwilling member <laughs> of the uh, well actually there's not really 5 a.m right now it's it's whatever whatever that's right yeah. whatever time uh little roman decides it's uh it's not a good time mm. for sleep becomes time for Jono and Liz, more Liz than Jono. Let's, um, you know, uh, be, be honest. There's some things that, um, that he needs his mum for. Uh, but, yeah, it's still been a shock yeah. to the system. So unwilling member of the 5am club. Love it. Okay, a couple more questions. Um, what about one-on-one -on -one meetings? Is there anything that, any advice you'd give about how to run a great one-on-one -on -one with a direct report or, uh, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, God, we've missed so much in the last two years with face-to-face. -face. I love face-to-face -face with the coffee, you know. Um, I just think, um, and yeah, I'd, I would say in the last few years, you know, we've been forced to do a lot of stuff on Zoom. Um, I think it's good to have an agenda. Um, it's good to have um, a bit of a template if you can, and um, if possible, ask the person that you're meeting with to, you know, prepare for the meeting in advance. If you have a sort of a standard template that you might use, and it might be like, you know, things that are on hold, things that I'm working on, things that I need your help with, things that, um, yeah, um, you know, things to note, or, you know, it, it depends on the role. Um, and I suppose in ideally allow that person to, to drive the meeting and tell you what they're up to and what they need. Um, and then you might have some follow-up questions and hopefully some time to just have a general chat as, you know, 
whole humans as well you know <laughs> ideally um mm. um and then if, if possible um prioritize those one-to-ones if you have them in as a regular meeting you know they should be the things that you reschedule last if you can possibly help it you know because you can get to a point where if, if your manager's just constantly rescheduling your one-to-one or cancelling um you know you start to feel like you're a bit of a low priority so so trying to stick to what's been yeah. agreed as well yeah that's great advice uh, I, I love uh, everything mm-hmm. you mentioned there um okay this one can be something fun that you watch you know to to switch off or something serious what mm-hmm. is a movie or tv show that has really influenced you Okay. Um, well, I, I really like this recent one called Seeing Red and my two and a half year old daughter loves it as well. And because it's, it's something that you don't see that often in movies and so forth, which is a, um, it's told from a young girl's perspective and really values that view um, of a young girl at the point of puberty. Um, and, you know, uh, I just think we don't see that often enough. And the other one I'd like to mention is Bluey because I think it's a really just awesome, you know, the two main characters are girls. Um, it's funny. It's heartwarming. Um, you know, it's aspirational because who wouldn't want to be those parents <laughs> that can, um, you know, have such fun with their kids. Yes. I, that's, a, that's such a great recommendation. And um, I'm not sure how widely known Bluey is outside of Australia and New Zealand. So if people haven't heard of it, uh, particularly yeah. if you've got small kids, check seen... it out. It's oh, so good. Yeah. I think I've seen that the US has picked up on it, which is, which is amazing. Um, and, you know, I've um, spent a lot of time in, in Brisbane and recognizing those landmarks and just, just um, yes. bits of, culture that just get chucked in there it's 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 hilarious yes i'm based in brisbane and so bluey is a bit of a um you know we're pretty proud as a city to have such a great kids tv Mm. show um come out and yeah like you said they're great with um with how they feature uh brisbane landmarks and And the soundtrack oh that's such a good recommendation yes the soundtrack is great very good um last question if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say to them? Mm. Go where you're celebrated, go where you're valued. Mm. Go where you're celebrated, go where you're valued. I love it. It's a great thought. Well, um, for people who've really enjoyed hearing some of your story and hearing your wisdom about leadership, Amy, just wondering if you are on any of the social channels that you can tell people, LinkedIn or Twitter, et cetera, and how can people find out more about Passive House Institute? Yeah, sure. So Passive House Institute um, is just passivehouse.nz. Um, you can contact me on CEO at passivehouse.nz or LinkedIn. Um, my surname is fairly uncommon so if you search for amy tankard i'll probably come up perfect great uh, great idea i want to thank our listeners for tuning in um really great episode with amy getting to find out some of her story and I, i've just really enjoyed chatting about uh and that's the first i've ever heard of the scarf concept so that's been a really good learning for me i've never heard oh, of that great. before 
So that, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, For our listeners, don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day podcast. So you can go and check out those two other podcasts to continue to invest in your leadership if you'd like. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Amy, for being generous with your time. Um, and like I said, for introducing us to a, to a new concept. Other people may be familiar, but for me, I really, I really appreciated that. And, uh, and for being such a joy to spend time with. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Jono. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And, you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders, and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively, and that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. 
And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.